This episode of Let's Meet is made possible by Boomtown Biscuits and Whiskey, a contemporary take on a classic American frontier food, and mmm, it's delicious. Stake your claim at 1201 Broadway in beautiful Cincinnati, Ohio. Phone number 513-381-2666. Website boomtownbiscuitsandwhiskey.com. Hello. Let's meet. Hi. Nice to meet you. Let's meet. Nice to meet you. On the seventh episode of Let's Meet Part 1 of 3, Michael reads two items from a bio. Tamaya is the least creative person she knows. You get an abatement. You get an abatement. Everybody gets an abatement. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome again to another episode of Let's Meet. I like to say that as an announcer for a... um, a game show. That's the, those are the words. Yes. I'm Michael. And I'm Sam. And uh, tonight we are joined by a very special guest that you've probably seen if you live in Cincinnati, if you live in the northern Kentucky area. You've probably seen her. You're, you're witnessing her meteoric rise to the heights of <laughs> local politics. You may have also seen her in France. She, <laughs> yes. In Guatemala for 10 days. I'm, I'm internationally known and locally respected. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's what we're doing. She is born and raised. Her hoodie tells us so. Yep. Uh, she <laughs> is, let's see here. There, there's a, there's a, there are a lot of things that you are you know, you known to, for. You, know, you, have to, you don't have to read that. I'm just going to read a little bit. Okay. We're going to go through a little bit. Good. Um, she is a policy writer. She is a legislation writer. <laughs> These are just two words that I pulled out of this bio. She's been a featured speaker for Elect Her and the Ohio Diversity Conference Women's Conference. She's also a TEDx speaker. Big what? deal. I, in, in the world of entertainment, guys, this is a get. This is called a get. <laughs> Uh, our guest is currently working as an innovation specialist with Design Impact, which is a nonprofit social innovation design firm located here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Here. Ladies and gentlemen, let's meet Tamaya Denar. So much fanfare. The best fanfare that we've seen in our three episodes <laughs> right now. The three of us. Tamaya, how are you? I'm so sorry. That's, that's the best you've <laughs> I like that. I like that outlook. I like that positive, positive approach. I like that, that can humbleness. Only, can only get better. Exactly. Yeah. It's only, it only goes up from here. Self-deprecation goes a long way in politics. Right? It does. If only, I got lots of it. If only Anthony Weiner had followed suit oh my gosh. with his humility. He is such a disaster. <laughs> Tamaya... You are one of the 40 under 40 leaders to watch in Cincinnati. That's what they tell me. How'd you do it? You know, I don't know how I did it, to be honest with you. I mean, I just really just do what I think is best and pursue goals. And, you know, there it is. I didn't really set out to, to do that. But yeah, it's like one of those things where you don't, you don't seek validation, but it's nice to, you know, get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you're one of the... Um, one of the newest members of city council. Yep. Um, what what was your what was your main focus when you were running? Like, what was your? I guess do you have a do you have a platform at that stage? Is that? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I had a platform. I there was not one like certain issue. I had about three or four that I really uh, talked a lot about, and hopefully um, during my first term, put together some legislation around. But it was 
transportation, mm-hmm. economic development in, in an equitable way, government accessibility, and creativity and policy. Okay. Yep. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. I support those things. You support that? <laughs> I do. All right. I got, the, I got, so, your, got your, uh, your, your, your approval. For, yeah. Absolutely. Your approval rating right now is a solid 99. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It could only be better had you worn um, a sport coat. Sorry. I, instead I, of a hoodie. Yeah. I, 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 I get rid of those things as soon as I can. <laughs> I, I hate suits. <laughs> do you have one that also says uh, born, born, and raised. born and raised? Yeah. Is like it on the, the back? Of your sport coat. No, I don't. You do that. Yeah, you have elbow patches that have born in Ohio. (laughs) That's a great idea. I did have a sweater today that had elbow patches, but I don't think I... You should get some elbow patches in the state shape. So did you know I co-own a t-shirt company? Get out of here. No way. That's from that? Yeah. What's it called? Originalities. Ooh, look how important you are. Yep. So do you guys do silk screen? Is well, no, we, right now we are, we are, my, my business partner, she took a couple classes, well, took two classes, one at the uh, Art Academy and then the other in the uh, screen printer in Chicago. Nice. So we're, right now we farm out our printing, okay. but hopefully we just, we invested in some equipment and we have space, so yeah, going to be hopefully printing our own stuff uh, here soon. But we've been in business for about nine years. Wow. So, so you yeah. come up with the idea and then you... The concept, the idea, and then you make it happen. Yeah, well, we we started out in the kind of the Ohio space, and that got that market got a it was just got super saturated. So mm. we still do that, but we've shifted our focus more to neighborhoods and city specific stuff. So we have um, you know street shirts. Actually, we're getting ready to do one for Covington. Right. We've done one for College Hill, over the Rhine, Northside, uh, Clifton. Walnut Hill. So it's really cool. I, I love doing it because my, my business partner, she's the creative. She's the one that you know, comes up with the design and I kind of help more yeah. with like the operations. Gotcha. So it's, good, it's a good match. Is that because of your background in business <laughs> management? <laughs> Partially. I just have like an ability to kind of look at something and kind of figure out strategy yeah. pretty pretty fast. And so that was where I was. my strength was. And then my partner, Keisha, she's more of the you know the the creative so I, I'm not I'm the least creative person I know as it relates to like drawing things and mm-hmm. like making something an actual like going from concept to an actual design so that's mm-hmm. what she's good at so she does all that stuff but it's really cool it's, it's there's not that many like women owned businesses in that space there's not yeah. and then both of us are black women too um, so it's just it's fun it's something we've done for a while it's not our main job but we've you know, done some pretty cool things. Last year, we did the Flying Pig uh, Expo for the first time. I believe the kids call it a side hustle. Is that is that what it is? That's, that's, <laughs> that's what, it is. what the word on the streets. It's it's was our it's our side hustle. <laughs> we love it. We love it. it's just a nice outlet for us to takes me out of political space. And she does sales and marketing for the post office, so it kind of takes her yeah. out of that space. And it's kind of fun because our our livelihoods aren't dependent on it. It would probably yeah. change things if it if it was. So it's a nice thing to kind of do on the side. Yeah, I like nice. it. Thanks. Do you, um, how do you, how do you see, we'll backtrack a little bit, mm-hmm. um, because you, you, you made a, a point. You are a black woman. I am. You are in the business world. I am. You are in the political world. Absolutely. Um, you what, have. What world are you not in? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a good you're question. In the, you're in the design. The I am. I world. am. I'm in a lot of worlds. A lot yeah. of, a lot of things going on. That's true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I appreciated it, Tim. Okay. I saw where you're going. I liked it. Um, what do you when you, when you're looking at from from your standpoint of being on city council? Mm-hmm. What 
economic ideas do you have like moving forward? Because we all know, we all know that um, minority owned businesses are still minority. Mm -hmm. We all know that female owned businesses are still minority. Yeah. I know that you are a planner, you're a mover, you're a shaker, you make things happen. What do you have? Do you have anything coming up where you have, uh, where you're helping to facilitate some of these things, some of these businesses? Yeah, well, I think my, my, my economic philosophy is that, you know, um, the CEO of Kroger is no more entitled to elected officials or the city government than, you know, a single mom in Winter. So sure. that's kind of the lens that I use whenever I approach anything. So, for me, it's about how do we create, you know, a level playing field and give, you know, opportunities to everybody. And 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 people talk about equity a lot, but that's essentially what equity is, and making sure that you remove all those barriers so that there is uh, um, in a level playing field. Um, in terms of the things I want to do, there's a lot of things around economic development, specifically and affordable housing, that I want to get done in our first year. Um, yeah. We just were sworn in a little over a month ago. And it was, I know, right? It's super <laughs> exciting, and it's it, sometimes I'll be honest with you. It gets overwhelming because there's so many places you want, you know, so many things you want to do and so many uh, places that need assistance in our city. So that's been the hardest part is like, how do I narrow in on, you know, where exactly I want to want to work? So how have you focused in on where you want to work? Listening to. So I, I had one idea of what I thought, you know, was going to be my focus. But then listening to what people say, doing research, studying, mm-hmm. my focus kind of shifted a little bit. Like I came in. With transportation being like the number one thing I wanted to wanted to work on, it still is, but it kind of is secondary to housing now. Like you know, we have a deficit of affordable housing mm-hmm. here in Cincinnati, and the the, the market is, is it's, it's it's a little bit more expensive than people understand it to be. So that's kind of where my focus is. But it, I didn't arrive at that like naturally. I was listening to people and really taking a deep dive and reading a lot. And I'm like, you know, people don't have stable housing, you know, it's hard to pretty much do anything else. So that's why that kind of became my number one focus. Yeah. Gotcha. Was was that from just from talking to people or once you got in, were you uh, able to see more information that you weren't able to before? Yep, that's exactly right. So I, so having conversations with people, uh, doing research, uh, there was just a study done um, last year by LISC, which is an organization here in Cincinnati and Community Builders Institute was really took a deep dive into our housing challenges. And then you think about, um, I looked at what other cities were doing. I'm a, I'm a real big uh, on, I'm a real big person on um, best practices. So I'm looking at what other cities are doing that we're not doing. And a lot of times Cincinnati is kind of always tardy um, to the party <laughs> on stuff. So I was like, what are, what are cities our size doing about these issues? And, you know, not trying to totally take what they're doing and, and bring it here, but how can we just, you know, put a Cincinnati spin on it, recognizing that it's not going to be the same approach. But um, I think, you know, that's why creativity and policy is really important for me. I I saw from the sidelines that Cincinnati kept doing, trying to do the same stuff and wasn't understanding why the needle wasn't moving. But we have to, our challenges are great. So we we have to be more creative in our approaches. So that's why having, you know, social innovation kind of background helps me a lot at City Hall to figure things out because I'm not afraid to, you know, look at things differently or understand that sometimes things are the way they are because people want them to be, but sometimes that's the way they are because no one's bothered to, to question it. Yeah. Is that the, the standpoint from, from looking at um, affordable housing, does that, that in, I assume that encompasses owning and renting, mm-hmm. leasing, that type thing. Yep. 
Um, are there programs available now, or are they like a slim pickings type thing? It's a slim pickings type thing. I mean, there's a there's a deficit because you know we're a very uh, development heavy city, mm-hmm. and we don't hold developers accountable for like tax abatements that we give them. There's no mandate from them. They get things from us, but we don't have a mandate to say, okay, in exchange for us giving you this, you have to you know include this percentage of both affordable and income based housing. So it is for. It's for rents. It's for ownership. It's for um, people think about affordable housing. They're thinking about a mom, maybe a single mom with you know three kids like my mom was. But yes, that is. But it's more than that. It's also housing for young people coming out of college. It's also yeah. housing for our seniors. It's also uh, housing for our disabled um, uh, population. So I think we have to think about the fact that home ownership can be the can be the the goal. But it shouldn't be what we're striving for for a lot of reasons. One, we understand that some people aren't bankable. So if you're not even bankable, it's, you can't put someone in a home right away. Right. You know, some people don't have the ability to walk in and get a bank account. So we have to recognize that and kind of meet people where they are. And then also understand that a lot, the fact that a lot of people who are experiencing poverty in our city are not homeowners. Some of them are, but some of them aren't. So that doesn't mean that we uh, can't address it. And then also home ownership, to be honest with you, is a, is a middle class social norm you know that might not be the case everybody doesn't want to be a homeowner so the fact that you know you you, um, home ownership kind of shoved down your throat forever doesn't be by people who 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 that's their norm yeah so we have to recognize that that you know i'm you know i'm 38 i'm not a homeowner i've never been a homeowner doesn't mean i don't want to at some point but i like being a renter and so i don't want to be forced to be a homeowner just so i can live in a a place that's affordable i just Just so you can say that you are just so i can say that you know i am and i just i understand that safe uh affordable housing is a is a right that's and so people feel differently but that's how i feel or at least it should be it should be i mean i feel like you should be entitled to uh both affordable housing but also income-based housing because right. that's uh, they're, people use them interchangeably but they're not the same so then you have the market rate and you know there's the whole you know the adage of the invisible hand letting the market do what it does but it's government's responsibility that when the market isn't equitable and accessible to everybody that's when the government has to intervene so you can tell developers you know i want you to make this percentage of affordable housing but if they're not willing to do it you hope that they are but if they're not that's when the government has to step in and say you know you have to do this and it's mandated how how do they enforce that uh you because you know you understand what your what your leverage is and what your power is they need the city to do things such as tax abatements they rely upon that so if you're going to rely upon that for your development i think we have a right to ask you to do these things in return now if you decided you know you don't want to you know have a tax abatement uh, okay well that's fine you can do what you want but so long as you're coming here and asking for something asking for infra- you know infrastructure needs in, in terms of like the streets around your development so long as you're doing that we can create binding agreements and which we are doing right now called um, community benefits agreements where if you're developing in a in a community a community can decide you you and the develop the developer in the community decide together what that should look like. It shouldn't be, you know, just the developers telling the community what they need. It shouldn't be the the community just strictly telling developers. I mean, it should be something that we come together and do. And every CBA is going to be different depending on what the community is because there's different needs for different communities. Right. But it's possible. I just think we haven't historically done that here in Cincinnati. But they do it well in other places like Philadelphia and, and the like. Yeah. What, what other cities do you look at? And what, what other cities are doing things that you that you think we need to do that? Mm-hmm. I think Columbus is doing a really good job mm-hmm. as it relates to tax abatements and public transportation. So you look at, I, I tend to look at cities our size, mm-hmm. like 
Columbus, Indianapolis. Uh, I think Indianapolis has a really good program uh, for affordable housing right now where uh, uh, the, um, the developers are getting um, capping the rent at a certain spot, and then the city is helping to subsidize mm-hmm. the market rate rent. They can't do that for everybody, obviously. We don't have enough money to do that, but for, to make the housing inclusive, they're stepping yeah. in and doing that. I think they're doing that for 500 homes a year, and I think that's manageable for a city mm-hmm. uh, our size because you know Indianapolis is doing it. So there's a lot of cool things um, other cities are doing around transportation, um, which is really cool um, as well. Like Detroit has um, you know, 24-hour bus routes. Yeah. You know, I don't think every route needs to be 24 hours, but some of the ones on the main thoroughfares should be 24 hours. I mean, people are working and living in, you know, 30, my mom works second shift. My mom's at work right now. You know, if she didn't have a car when she got off work, how would she get home? I remember right. when my mom, my mom was a uh, returning citizen and was in and out of jail. And I remember when she got out of jail the last time, the only job that would offer, the only place that offered her a job, the hours were crazy. So, mm-hmm. you know, how do we, how are we? connecting people to jobs and thinking about where people live and work now. There's a lot of service-based jobs now, uh, service industry jobs that are not just our nine to fives. And so right. it's, it's incumbent upon us to start thinking about, kind of take a step back and thinking about, you know, that we're not in the same places that we were 40 and 50 years ago. And that's kind of how our transportation system is based. So right. I, I, that's what, I, I mean, I don't know. I just think we need to really be more inclusive in our policies and not just thinking about you know what we like what we where we work what we do and think about other yeah. people well speaking of that i've been here for 10 years now mm-hmm. and i've seen a huge amount of growth that's part of the reason why i love cincinnati mm-hmm. so much is because there's for someone like me i'm 38 as well mm-hmm. um so is tim we're all 38 Yay. we're all 38 club Yay, 38. there's there's something for us to do and even people who are younger than us, there's always something to do in town. And if you have kids, you can take them to do things too. There's always something going on in town. I mean, you don't get on a travel guides lists of places to go visit if you don't have anything to do. Yeah. So we have opportunities. We have fantastic restaurants that are pushing Michelin level status of food and, and service. Yeah. And we have these opportunities. But at the same time, like, how can we? Doesn't doesn't the city see that when you have a restaurant open and you have to have it staffed in the evenings, the people who work there are paying taxes to the city. But if they don't have any way to get to and from that job, how are they going to be able to contribute to that tax structure? Does the city see and understand that, or does that does that look like is that a positive in the bank? Or is it an even? Like, does it balance out? Well, I, I agree with you. The fact that, like, you think about some of our neighborhoods and where, where the restaurants are, many people who work in the restaurant can't afford to live in those neighborhoods where their restaurants Agreed. are. Agreed. Um, I think the city is starting to get it. I, I, I hear more about equity in the last few years than I ever have. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you an example, though, of something just um, two days ago, or actually, yeah, a few days ago, um, I voted against renewal of two property tax abatements mm-hmm. just because not because i'm anti-development but because i feel like kind of what i was saying earlier if you're getting an abatement you should give something back right so i was the only one it was eight to one was the vote i was the only one that said no mm-hmm. and my colleagues said oh, i agree with tamaya i'm gonna vote yes this time but next time you know i'm gonna do this so sure. mm-hmm. i guess you have to plant the seed i guess but if we're gonna mm-hmm. be serious about it we got to be serious about it and Again, I think when you think about what affordable housing is, you know, you have to, you know, say like when when a kid graduates from college, you know, making, 
you know, $35,000 a year, um, they should, you know, be able to have more choice of where right. to live. So, or, you know, a senior should have more choice of where to live. Their, their income a lot of times are fixed. So I think Cincinnati is getting it, and but I think we have so much further to go in terms right. of having the courage of our convictions. I'm not throwing my colleagues under the bus, but we have to. We can't keep saying yes next time, next time, next time. Right. We even have to do something. Agree. Even though I mean, yeah. literally, like I agree with you. I'm I, on the floor. We were in the council meeting, but I'm, I'm a vote yes this time. But this is what we need to do. I mean, you think about for years and years and years and years, developers have come asking for tax abatements, and we haven't said okay, but. It's just, it's just you come, you vote for it very nonchalantly. You are allowed to yeah. ask questions. It'd be, it should be more of a process to get this abatement. And, I, sure. and, and because of how City Hall's approaches, it, it's almost become a sense of entitlement that right. people think that they are supposed to have tax abatements. Well, especially with us being a good solid decade into this revitalization, mm-hmm. especially of the urban core, yep. the central business district and over the Rhine, with us being a good decade into this, shouldn't we be at a point now where we're like, okay, We've done enough for you who are coming in. We're cool, essentially. We're, we've made a name for ourselves. Now it's about time to to even this out a little bit. That's exactly right. I mean, the, the whole point of tax abatements are they're a tool to, to incentivize development. But once a community has kind of hit that tipping point, we don't need to keep incentivizing them to develop. And while most of our money from, as a, from a city perspective comes from earnings tax, not property tax, mm-hmm. that's still money that we're throwing away needlessly that can go to other things. So yeah. I think for, and, and I think we have, I live in Kent, Washington, which is a community that's kind of up and coming, mm-hmm. but why can't we think about maybe giving a, more of a weighted abatement there where we need to develop? We, we're getting a lot of artists into right. um, Kent, Washington, which I'm very excited about. Uh, but again, thinking about tax abatements as a tool they were meant to be. So how do we, like weigh it out. Some communities don't need it. They tell me they don't need it. They don't want it. But there's something that we really need the development to happen there. So I just, again, I think it's about being more creative. One one of my ideas and one of the things I want to do, hopefully by uh, fall, is I want to have about four or five departments in the city have a part-time creative like resident. Mm-hmm. So to infuse a little bit more creativity and policy. So those places where you typically don't think that there there's creativity like budget and finance or um, community economic yeah, development. Pretty creative budgets. Yeah. <laughs> budgets are creative. Yes. They but can be. I, but I, they can be. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to cook in the books or anything like yeah. that. But I on think, record, on record. No, on record. I, 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 do, I do not support cooking any books. <laughs> but I think that we need to just have a little bit more divergent thinking in government. Yeah. And just people who are like, who don't have experience in government, they don't know what's not possible. And I think you need those kind of people right. in government. For me, I, sometimes I don't know what's possible and what's not possible. So sure. it works to my advantage. But you need people who are like, you know, artists or creatives to just help design policy or try to help engage community a little bit more, too. That, that's I think it's going to be really helpful. And I think that's how we arrive at the, the best product. It's the version, uh, the, the difference between saying this is what we've done versus what if we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How might we, you know, approach this? Uh, this challenge in a more creative way in, you know, Bond Hill, or how might we um, think about um, this, you know, doing this X, Y, Z in College Hill. So I, I think it's, I think sometimes to experience one of those things, it just cuts both ways. It's really good to have, but sometimes you're just so mired in the, in the, in the, what you, what you are accustomed to doing that you don't kind of take a step right. back. And I just would hope that maybe have some creatives in some of these departments and on a part-time basis would just, help the the directors and the you know the, the management kind of just say wow why haven't we done it like that or that's pretty cool like how do we you know, even 
how do we explain government better? Like, you know, there's uh, yeah. the visuals that come from these places. These departments, they're text heavy. They're just the language is all blah. Yeah. So it, it just, it, I think there's a lot of benefits all around to engaging people in a different way. Thank you for listening to the Let's Meet podcast. Stick around for the next episode where we'll see more of why we need more creativity in government and more on education. For more information, please visit our website at letsmeetpodcast.com and please subscribe. Let's meet. Let's meet. What you doing? Hey, hello. Ha, 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 ha,